everybody. Welcome to the Hallmarkies podcast. I'm so excited today. I have another interview with a Hallmark writer and I love talking to Hallmark writers. And this is a brand new uh, writer. I'm talking to the writer of the upcoming Love to the Rescue film. Uh, we're talking to Sarah Montana. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. This is going to be so much fun. Yeah, I am too. Uh, so what we like to do when we have guests on the podcast is give you a chance to uh, introduce yourself and tell us what inspired you to become a, become a writer. Ooh, um, when I was a kid, I used to write stories and plays and things and make my three little brothers and cousins act them out in the backyard, much to their chagrin. Um, and I actually used to write plays for kids. When I was in middle school and high school, I ran a drama club for fifth graders at our local elementary school for like seven years. Um, and in spite of all of that, I still loved singing. So I actually went to college for opera. Um, I got my undergrad, I know, crazy. I did undergrad in opera and then I got my master's in opera and I started performing. Um, and after 72 times of doing the same show, I realized that I missed rehearsal. And I went, oh no, I think I'm on the wrong side of this process. <laughs> and so yeah. I decided it was time to make the switch. Wow. So you were uh, into opera, huh? Yeah, kind of crazy. Opera and music theater, ah, both. Yeah. So uh, what, uh, what operas were you in? Oh man, um, I was in the Mary in mostly in school. I was in the Merry Widow. I was Gretel and Hansel and Gretel. Um, I was in Cozy Fontute, um, but I was like the old lady in the chorus in the background, uh, distracting from what should have been going on downstage. Yeah. Um, I did Dido and Aeneas, um, oh. uh, Marriage of Figaro, a lot That's of really fun I've stuff. Seen, finally, yes. I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> Marriage of Figaro is a good one. It's yeah. a really good one. <laughs> I, I went to uh, Brigham Young University in Utah, and they actually have a pretty good uh, theater and arts and opera program. Yeah. And they would put on, what was really nice is they would put on several operas every year, and you, you could, uh, as a student, you could, you know, get a good price, and uh, and they, you know, have like more sort of clean like productions than maybe some yeah. other ones on certain ones a little less salacious yeah little less scandalous for <laughs> that's sure right yeah <laughs> so it was really fun though I, I so I saw I saw the magic flute I oh, saw that's a good Carmen one in there I saw Traviata uh, oh, that's a great one that one's probably probably my favorite uh the magic flute I mean nobody goes to the opera for the story but it was a little nutty for me. <laughs> yeah, magic flute is magic flute is one of those that doesn't necessarily stand. The music is beautiful, but yeah. the story is weird, and it's a little like not great for women or minorities. <laughs> There's a lot of problems. Really Mozart, Mozart's a victim of his time. What can you say? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the music is beautiful. But I think Traviato is my favorite. I like the melodrama. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's like, the, it's funny. I love Traviata, but I fell in love with it because I loved Moulin Rouge when I was in high school and the storylines are pretty, it's like Moulin Rouge is kind of a mashup of Traviata and La Boheme. And so that was like, Moulin Rouge was one of my gateway drugs to opera world. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I'll, I'm pretty sure that in Moonstruck, they watch uh, Traviata and 
I love the movie Moonstruck so much. Um, that is the movie that got my parents together. No way. Seriously. That's awesome. <laughs> they, had a, they had a date to go see Moonstruck and my dad kissed her afterwards and it was like big drama and they, yeah. That's it was like, so cool. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love it. I love both. I love both the Olympia Dukakis part and I love the Cher Nicholas Cage part. Oh both yeah. Parts. I love. <laughs> it's, it's so good. But did you, did you grow up in, uh, uh, in like in New York or, or. No. So I grew up in Northern Virginia, uh, okay. just South of Washington, DC yeah. in a town called Dale city, which is, oh. uh, like, I think it's like 50,000 people. So it's not quite a small town, but it's not like a big city. It's like very much suburban. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, so I grew up actually in, um, in Frederick County in Maryland. No way. Yeah. So not too far off from there. Yeah. And That's awesome. Town, yeah. A little town called Middletown. Oh yeah. <laughs> and we were probably not Middletown, but that area was probably the most well-known because we were we were about 15 minutes from where they did the Blair Witch Project. That's right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You're was, so right. It was very exciting. It was an exciting time. That was like a big deal. Yeah. I remember oh, yeah. that. Yeah. People would come and it was, it was absolutely a big deal. That's amazing. People coming through looking for the Blair Witch yeah. against their better judgment. Like, <laughs> why are you seeking out trouble like that? It's yeah. beyond me. That's right. Like, did you watch the movie? Right. What's going on? Um, yeah. Cause that was a phenomenon. Uh, but, um, yeah. And then we also had the, the, um, uh, there was what was that called it was called the outbreak there was a um oh, yeah a, we also had the the fort fort dietrich which is where they had like the like the, they did the studies and stuff on the totally the hot zone i remember the hot this zone. book that's right yes and, i cleaned and, my bathroom every day for like a week after that book yeah. in high school and the 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 two uh like doctors that are profiled in the book were from middletown yes and, oh my that's so, so true yeah. and so that was the most chilling thing to ever oh my <laughs> gosh that so, scene in the book when he's on the plane i had to put it down and then like come back to it i was yes. like no 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 so that is where i come from claim to fame it's very <laughs> so understandable why you love hallmark movies yes. like there's a lot of darkness <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. Hallmark is a nice bright light antidote. Yes. So yeah, yeah. So uh have you always been a big fan of Hallmark movies? I so my, I know that like especially the Christmas movies, um, my mom like loved to watch them growing up. So I did watch a bunch of them growing up. Um and then getting to write them has been such a like such an exciting journey to like dive back into them and to yeah. just fall in love with them all over again. Um, especially since they have movies year round, which is so I fun. It's I love amazing. it. Hallmark, particularly with the Hall of Fame, I mean, they've just been a part of so many people's lives for for so long. It's it's really amazing to see, and uh, you know, it's something that you could always watch you know with your entire family and you knew that it was going to be quality and it was going to be sweet and uh so yeah it's nice that we get every saturday yes <laughs> oh yeah it's pretty amazing yeah <laughs> um so you have written 
um, plays before this? This is your first film, right? This is my first film. This is the first screenplay that I've written, but I'm actually writing a couple more movies for Hallmark this year, which is really exciting. I'm so um, excited. Yeah, so I can't share too much about that yet, but uh, but it's exciting. Um, yeah. And then before this, I did, I wrote plays um, and I actually uh, write books. I used to ghostwrite books and book proposals for celebrities. Um, And I do uh, some public speaking. And right now I'm working on a a book right now of my own. Ta-da! That will actually have my name on it, which is exciting. Oh, that would be good. (laughs) So, yes. So you had a TED Talk that you did. uh, And I'll put a link in the description section. Uh, people should watch it because it was really inspirational and I was bawling uh, watching oh. it. And do you want to tell people a little bit about what that's about and what happened in your life? Sure. Um, the, uh, I guess the, the short version is that I get, so I gave a TED talk about a year ago about my path to trying to understand what forgiveness is. I mean, everybody talks about how wonderful it is and that you should do it, but it's kind of like Nike, just do it. Nobody tells you exactly what the steps are for that and how you'll know when you have achieved it. And for me, that journey was centered around trying to figure out how to forgive the kid who killed my mother and brother. Um, In 2008, when I was a senior in college, there was a kid from our neighborhood who broke into our house just looking to make some quick cash before Christmas, and he didn't expect my brother to be home. He, uh, He shot my brother Jim, left, realized he left his coat, came back, and then found my mom and shot her too. Um, Pretty much as far away from Hallmark (laughs) as you can get in terms of a life plotline, a little more Lifetime movie, not to make light of it, sorry. Um, That makes, that sounds terrible, but um, I've also lived with this for a really long time. It's been 10 years and, you know, my mom and my brother are with me every day and I love them and I miss them so much, but I've also done a ton of work, did a ton of therapy and, uh, and went on this journey to figure out how to forgive this person, or even if I should forgive this person, right. which ended up being one of the most life-changing journeys of the, I mean, I guess obviously of my life, but yeah, yeah. I really admired it very much. Um, because I, I like how you talked about how it was forgiving what he had done specifically to you yes and the pain that he had caused and kind of not allowing that person to kind of drag him around with your whole life I, yeah. I i really thought that was moving and i i have never i can't even imagine what that would be like to go through i've never been through anything like that but the few little things uh, that i've had to go through a forgiveness process in my life i i remember there was particularly one and it's so minimal compared to what what you had gone through but i i had a a time where someone had very much what i felt like had betrayed a friendship and i was very hurt by it and i i kept thinking that I was over it and that I'd forgiven and that everything was fine. And then like something would happen and it would kind of, I felt like the wound just kept getting reopened. Yeah. Every time that it would get reopened, it was 10 times harder to kind of deal with it. And it got to the point where it had been two years and I was still 
very angry about what this person had done and i uh and very hurt and i uh i finally just realized that it's it was a process for me and i was never going to be like technically done and that because that was i think my problem is yes. that i kept thinking like i'm done i've forgiven this person i and i'm done i finished that process because totally. there's a whole like scripture about how like if you if you aren't forgiving then you are worse than the than the offender and so i felt like well i've got to be done i've got to finish right right worse than <laughs> what this person had done and um and but i don't know i just realized that like it's it's just a because it was just very unhelpful to keep opening that wound over and over again and dealing with it again and that hurt that i had felt and uh and so I don't know. I really appreciated that you talked about that, that it's a, it takes time and that it's, uh, that it's about what the hurt is to you and not, I don't know. I just, yeah, no, I, I, I completely hear you. I think we do a lot of damage to people who have been wounded um, by A, putting an immense amount of pressure on them to forgive right away. Yeah. If we know that forgiveness is a good thing, why can't we just like solve for X and jump to the end, right? Um, and unfortunately, that's not how it works. I spent a lot of time right after this happened um, because I was a good Christian girl, kind of shouting into the wind saying, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. And it took a long time. It took a couple of years for me to realize that I had not forgiven this kid. I had turned him into a non-person, into like mm-hmm. a storm that swept through and ripped our house up and threw it in Oz, um, but that I was doing whatever it took to compartmentalize that pain yeah. to say I forgave him so that I could avoid going through the process of forgiveness, which is it is kind of a trial by fire. You have to really lay out specifically what this person has done to you, not to your mom or your brother or your dad or to anybody else, but like what specifically have they done to you? And then you have to go through this inventory of wounds. And that is, most of us are scared of wounds. They're really icky and, um, and scary. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot to, to try to confront yourself that way. And, and that, and to me, that part of the process is so hard that it does require time and it requires safety. Like you have to be in a really safe place to unpack your hurt. And if you're still being wounded by someone, if you're not with people you trust, if you don't either have a therapist or a loved one or someone that you can unpack this with, or even a journal or some space where you don't feel like you're constantly in fight or flight, it's really hard to move through the necessary steps of the process. Yeah. And you're right. It doesn't, it, you know, I forgave uh, the kid who did this. I sent him a letter. I did the whole deal. And then information still comes. When I was home for Christmas, it was the 10 year anniversary. And my dad gave me information um, that I think I must have had somewhere before, but in the shuffle of 10 years, everything gets jostled around and it shook me up a little bit. And I was like, Whoa, did I do the wrong thing? And I had to sit down and go through the whole process all over again and say, Knowing this now, what are my wounds and what do I feel this person owes me? Mm-hmm. And still, I was like, no, it is still better for my own sense of like individuation and freedom. And for the, like the greatest spiritual good here is to say that he does not owe me anything, that we're done here. It doesn't excuse what he did. There is no justifying what he did. And I think that's part of the problem is forgiveness and justice are flip sides of a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, and forgiveness does not equate to tolerating evil. 
Right. Uh, that we, you know, like if you're in an abusive relationship, you need to get out of that relationship. And just because you've forgiven him does not mean that you should be continue to be abused, you know? Well, like, yeah, <laughs> you can't, you can't forgive something without saying that it's evil first. Otherwise there's nothing to forgive. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you acknowledge that something is, is bad, you can't forgive something until you've said this is wrong and I won't stand for it anymore. If it's continuing to happen, you can't, for it, even if you're saying you forgive it, it's not really forgiveness. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, with my, you know, non PhD in forgiveness, I, I just well, have I my think personal. your life experience is a PhD <laughs> in forgiveness. Wow. Well, that's really touching. And thank you for sharing that. And I, like I said, I'll have the link to the TED talk in the description. I really recommend everybody to check it out. And um, I, I think uh, you'll find it very helpful in your life. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I just, appreciate you being open about that. I think it'll help a lot of people. And I'm sure the oh. TED Talk did. Uh, Thank you for watching it. It yeah. was, it's a scary thing to get up there and share I'm that sure. kind of thing about yeah. yourself. Um, but it yeah. was, but it is worth it. You do get like emails from, I got an email from someone in Russia yesterday and somebody from the Netherlands the day before that. And it's kind of crazy mm -hmm. to realize that uh, there are just a lot of people who don't who feel either shamed by what society expects of forgiveness yeah. or um or who feel like they they really want a sense of freedom from the wrongs that have been done to them but we our culture is having a really hard time i think globally figuring out um what victimhood is and yeah. and it's going to take a lot of patience and it's going to take a lot of conversations for us to figure out how to support victims without keeping them stuck but also giving them a safe space where they can process and acknowledging that that takes time. It's tough. Yeah. And everybody's different. Everyone, yes. Their paths are different. So, all right, well, let's talk a little, let's move on and let's talk about, uh, the, let's talk about Hallmark and just fun stuff. So Ooh. what do you think makes a great Hallmark movie in your opinion? Oh. I think, okay, it's funny. Um, I think that the best Hallmark movies, um, so, so there is a format, right? Or at the end of the day, you come to watch a Hallmark movie because you know how it's going to end. Yeah. Uh, you know that the couple is going to be in love. You know that, uh, that it's going to be a happy ending. And you also know that everybody within the Hallmark universe is generally a decent person. When yeah. you watch a Hallmark movie, they're even the people who are the quote unquote bad guys are never bad people, uh, which is yeah. one of the more refreshing things about those movies. But even with those things that you can predict, I think the very best Hallmark movies know that those things are the, like the laws that you have to play with, right? Those are the rules for play. And yet they still find a way to go outside the box or surprise you or get you so invested that you're like, you're almost a little bit annoyed with yourself. You're like, I know they're going to get together. Why am I so stressed that they're not yeah. going to be together? Those are the ones that I think are the ones that take us on a real journey and let us get to know um, a relationship inside and out so that we get a better mirror on ourselves and what we believe about love. Those are, those are my favorites. Yeah. You know, and it's funny too, because people are always saying, oh, romantic comedy is so unrealistic, so unrealistic. And certainly avenues uh certainly certain parts of the tropes of the genre are unrealistic i get that but i really genuinely think if you sit down and talk to almost every single couple and you say hey tell us your love story tell us how you met 
it's basically a romantic comedy like um, they almost every couple has their version of the meet cute their version of like silly ridiculous dates obstacles to their relationship and then finally getting together i mean it's just the romance is just inherently like kind of cheesy and and just but it happens it's real well, and i don't you know what's funny i don't find it cheesy i, I but i totally yeah. hear you because that's like the criticism when people are yeah. like oh um but for me, it's more that like these are like there's a reason that these stories keep coming up and coming up like throughout all of human history. Yeah. I mean, Romeo and Juliet, yeah. or like Much Ado About Nothing. Like, those are following. Yeah, they're all following the same tropes, and those tropes emerge from the human experience, right? Yeah. Like you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, the funny thing is, is I've pitched Hallmark a, a bunch of different ideas for movies, uh-huh. and every single one that they've greenlit has been loosely based on one of my friends <laughs> or someone I know. Right. When it's grand. Grounded in truth, it's still fiction. I mean, I've taken an idea and turned it into something completely fictional. Um, but the best things are always grounded in some sense of truth, you know? Yeah, I mean, because Hallmark used to do more what I call whimsy in their stories, like movies like North Pole and stuff like that. Yeah. Which they don't really do very much anymore. Um, you, got, you got a little bit more of that this year, this last year on Lifetime. Totally. Uh, they, you know, they did the uh, Nutcracker coming to life movie and you know some other Christmas perfection that I loved uh, about a girl waking up in a uh, in a uh, Christmas village. <laughs> yes. So well, and, and Hallmark's yeah. got some that have a little bit of magic, like the Christmas shoe addict one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It had an element yeah. of like you know time travel and that yeah. kind of thing. That was the most probably this last year, but there's almost no Santa this last year, which was a little bit of a bummer. Oh yeah. But. Uh, but yeah, they've kind of pretty much, I think, decided that their brand of romantic comedies and holiday films for Hallmark are uh, are workplace comedies, basically, and like classic rom-coms uh, that, I mean, a lot of them are, are some kind of, we're forced to work together, we're forced to plan this thing together, we're forced to, mm. you know, kind of a thing, and uh, which, you know, is is fine uh <laughs> i wish they'd break it up just a little bit when you have so many movies to color it'd be nice if they just did some bonkers ones just for fun mm. um but when you say bonkers versus like a workplace drama yeah um, like something so you- like a nutcracker coming to life like just something that's just ridiculous but really fun yeah um, yeah i would i would enjoy a couple like two or three um, but I like the workplace ones uh, a lot as well. Um, I think it's, you yeah. know, it's it's funny. Um, I think about this a lot as I'm pitching stories and thinking yeah. about what works and what resonates with people. And uh, don't get me wrong, I love like magical, whimsical, yeah. over-the-top stuff because hello, music, theater, and opera, nerd. <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> but the other thing too is that, you know, in the in the age that we're living in, um, a lot of people are meeting people online, but then the, mm-hmm. o- the only other way that you really meet people is when life puts you, you know, yeah. when fate has a hand and thrusts you into the same situation. Yeah. Like love to the rescue isn't, they don't meet through work. It's not a workplace thing or anything like that. Um, but their kids and this dog are really the thing that brings them together. Yeah. And there is always something kind of like that. Like my personal romance story is an epic love story, but we were forced together because we were in school together and we were in a show together. So it's, it's a tough line to navigate. Yeah. I mean, especially in your thirties, which a lot of these, uh, well, I really like the fact that a lot 
of these Hallmark movies use older actresses in their, not, they're not old, but you know what I mean? They're not like yeah. young aunties. They're not 18. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and uh, in their, uh, you know, mid to late thirties. Uh, and uh, I like that. And, uh, but yeah, when you're, when you're uh, in, in that age group, then you're, the way you meet people is hopefully people introducing you to people and through you know through work or through other kinds of <laughs> things or yeah online is basically because it's not like when you're young there's just so many gatherings you know that you go to uh whether it's through school or other activities that you do when you're uh that's harder <laughs> when you, yeah uh when you're older it's, well it's just it's harder yeah it's harder it's, to meet people as you get older just, it's also and it's also, I think, speaking, I like that Hallmark um, deals with that honestly, because for so many people, what is that saying? They say that you spend more time with your coworkers than you do with your yeah. spouse or with yeah. your friends or family. Yeah. Um, so there's something to be said for the fact that they are, um, I like that careers are so central to these characters because that seems yeah. to be true of Americans and just how Americans identify themselves too. Yeah. It's, it's the true. first thing we say about ourselves. It's like, oh, hey. Yeah who are you? And you immediately lead with like, well, I'm a writer or I'm a this or I'm a that. Yeah. So it's true. Yeah, that is very, very true. So why don't you tell us a little bit about love to the rescue uh, as much as you can, can tell, uh, just uh, without giving it all away, I guess. Uh, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, the romance, totally. right? <laughs> yes. So, um, I feel like after we just had that conversation, spoiler alert, um, it's rom-com. Um, no, I, I really love this story. It was uh, partially inspired by my own blended family. Um, my, my, when my parents, uh, when my dad and my stepmom got together, they each had uh, kids who were close in age. My youngest brother is was... Uh, I want to say that they were 11, maybe, maybe Liam was 11 and my stepsister was nine when they got together uh -huh. and they decided the thing that would bring the family together that would kind of make them all one unit was to adopt a dog. And that inspired the, I was like, Oh, it'd be interesting if like in a fictional setting, if there were two single parents with kids who wanted to adopt the same dog. Uh -huh. um, and so in the movie um, you've got Eric who is very type A very rules driven. He is a bureaucrat who works at the Department of Transportation and he has kind of coped with single parenthood by being very regimented. And uh, then there's Kate, who is a single mom, but she's an animator for a studio that's like Pixar. She is oh. like all fun all the time, kind of like we're going to listen to people's cues and follow their lead. And like she is Imagination Station. Uh -huh. And um, it's funny, her daughter, Sophia, uh, the lead girl, is much more type A. She's a type A like overachiever kid. And Eric's child, Owen, is like loosey-goosey, like fun kid. And so both of their kids want to adopt the same dog at the PTA uh, pet adoption. Mm -hmm. And it's like, the, and this is an older dog. And we wanted to talk about how senior dogs often don't get adopted. And so the shelter comes up with an arrangement where the two families can co-foster Bruce, the dog, for the next uh, like six to eight weeks. And then they can figure out which home is best for Bruce. Aww. And in the process of that, uh, they end up roping each other into all Aww, kinds of things. This sounds so cute. I love it. 
Yeah. I'm excited about it. I think it's really cute and it's fun. There's like, it does, it's not, there's some cool workplace stuff, but there's also some cool, like, what is it like to be a parent and try to be in the PTA or like balance all of these different aspects of your life. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a lot of like, what are the ways we deny ourselves love? I think is one of the other big themes. Like a lot of us come up with really good excuses to not risk our hearts. Yeah. And I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're both single parents. They're both single parents. Um, his, yeah, he's, she's uh, co-parenting with her ex-husband uh-huh. pretty successfully. Uh, Liam, who's, they're like great friends, but just were not meant yeah. to be together. Yeah. And then his wife, Eric, the lead guy's wife passed away um, oh, years before. That's our ideal. Hot that's word the word. Hallmark way. Yeah. <laughs> but in, in fairness to Hallmark, that was like my choice. That's what I think. <laughs> It wasn't like Hallmark has a sweeping rule about that. <laughs> very much Sarah Montana motivated. So, so I loved on your Instagram, my, you had this quote from Michael Rady, who's the lead uh, in the film. He's amazing. He, he said, hey, how crazy is it that you made these people up in your head and how, how this is it? They're real. We're filming the finale. <laughs> It, he, Michael Rady got in my head, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was. Okay. So first of all, Michael Rady and Nikki Deloach are not only like insanely talented. I mean, yeah. they're just the most talented humans, but they're also the nicest people on the planet. And yeah. uh, they were just so warm and so welcoming and so brilliant. It was just a, it was a real treat to get to watch them work. Um, but I got to be cast, like the producers at Hallmark were super nice and they, uh, they offered me, they were like, do you want to play the intern part? I mean, it's two lines. It's fun. You get to, but that way you can be on set and you can see how it all goes. And I was yeah. so excited. And um, that meant I had to be in the background for that, like the final scene where they <laughs> and um, and Michael Rady like just like touched my arm as we were going out. And he was like, "How cool is it that you like made these people up? You made them up in your head, and now we're doing it. We're gonna go yeah. film the finale. It's real. It's like yeah. they're real now. They're together." And I was like, "That is cool." I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> Yeah. You're like, wait, way to get in my <laughs> And then you can, hopefully, I'm sure because the Hallmark editors and producers are brilliant, you won't see me crying in the background when you actually watch the movie, yeah. but I'm like watching them in the final <laughs> scene and I'm like teary-eyed and one of the other actors is like elbowing me and is like, lock it up. I'm yeah. like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, keep control myself here. I'm sorry. It's just really exciting. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that because yeah, you had a, a a role in the movie, and you got to be there on set. Because some of the the writers that we talked to are able to do that, and others, it you know just doesn't work out. Right. Yeah, for your first movie, that must have been. Just it was insane. It's Incredible. insane. It's insane to. Uh, look, there is, I am so, so thankful for what I get to do for a living. It felt like I spent a couple of weeks to months um, playing make-believe in my living room by myself, uh-huh. just writing things down on paper. And then I would send them off to Ashley and she's brilliant. And she and Brett would send me back notes like, okay, let's tweak this. Let's tweak that. And we did that process uh-huh. for a long time, uh-huh. but it still felt like storytelling. It still just felt like the best game of make-believe ever. And then all of a sudden I get on a plane and go to Savannah and I'm on set and there's hundreds of people using the blueprint of your make-believe story yeah. time yeah. <laughs> and they're bringing it to life and trying to construct this thing. And you're like, oh, this is real. 
this is very, very real. Um, it was really humbling and inspiring. And it was great to watch. I mean, everybody just works so hard and is so brilliant at what they do there. But watching this production team come together was was really humbling. And it made it was it was super informative because now when I go back and write other scripts, you're putting there is a face to every aspect of the job too, right? So when you describe a dress in the script, you're like, ooh, how can I make this easier for costuming? Or when you're thinking about sets. And I it's I actually started having a great dialogue with some of the people on set who like props was like, really? you made us like, like, I won't spoil there, but there's yeah. a scene that was just like, great. I asked for something just bananas for props. Yeah, and yeah, they yeah. were like, I've never had this request. What are you doing to me? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, on the one hand, would not change that scene. But on the other hand, it does make you think you're like, oh, somebody had to go get like 50 water balloons. That's a lot to ask someone to do. That's funny. Yeah, you're like, sorry. <laughs> totally. Totally. Um, well, yeah, and you really scored great cast. Uh, you know, we you mentioned Nikki DeLoach. She's like totally one of the queens. Oh, I love her so much. love her. She's just so fun. Michael Rady and Haviland Stillwell, who we would have, we will have had on the podcast, interviewed her. She's a delight, and so yeah, a lot of really fun, fun people on the cast. It's they were just so much fun, and I I have to say too, like kudos to Hallmark and to like Nikki and Michael and and Steven the director like yeah this was also a very kid-friendly set and uh-huh. I'm a woman who's married I'm in my I'm, I'm 32 uh-huh. um there you know I think a lot of women struggle with her or maybe they don't I can't actually yeah. speak to every woman's experience but the whole question of oh how am I gonna like be a writer and do what I love and also have kids, you know, society poses it as this either or proposition a lot of the time. And Nikki and Michael are just both these wonderful parents. They both brought their kids to set and I got to see them run around and it wasn't a problem or an irritation to anybody. It was like, they were just these wonderful, happy parents who then would like, like pause and go do this brilliant work in this scene where they would just drop all the way in and were hilarious and open and vulnerable on camera. And then they'd go like run over and play with their two-year-old. And it was, I kept getting chills thinking like, we really do limit ourselves based on what other people say is hard or not hard. But if you really want something that there's no limitation to what you can do. Um, and I know that in a large part, that's because of the environment that Hallmark's creating for these actors and for the production team. And, and a lot of that Steven and how great he treats all of his actors. It was just a really, it was a really beautiful thing to be a part of. That makes me really happy to hear because you know, in this age of the Me Too movement, you hear about so many actresses that are taken advantage of and treated terribly and whatever. And I, I you know, I've never heard anything but really positive things. I know it's stressful. I know it's a, it's, it's a, a lot of, a lot of work in a short period of time. But aside from those kind of things, I've never heard anybody say anything but just like, respect and and that you know that i remember um ashley williams on her twitter uh talked about how she was able to nurse her baby in between takes yeah uh, one of her movies and that's that makes me happy that uh to support hallmark and because even i mean i'm a huge disney fan and even disney's had their you know problems uh, that they've had to deal with and make you know hopefully everybody will just become better and 
and uh and it, it'll be a, a a good thing in the end but uh, so far at least cross fingers uh, it seems like uh that hallmark is just really doing a great job in creating a work environment that's that's positive and supportive of women and that makes me really happy i have to tell you too that like working with a female producer on this ashley squires was the producer at hallmark that that took a chance on me and the script and who i worked with primarily and she is just brilliant honestly she's going to run the world someday but there was something so inspirational in this industry that you're right in this in the midst of this huge awakening that i do think is i think it is important for us to 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 take stock of the the insidious parts of the industry um yeah yeah and and to improve upon those things to work with ashley who is this powerful woman but who's young and who is just like super visionary but also knows how to take care of people um this is like just a testament to what she's like and what hallmark's like when we were backstage i say backstage hello it's not theater um but (laughs) we were on set and uh ashley and i ran to grab coffees and then came back and there were a couple of women uh, just like tour uh, locals to savannah on the street and one of the production guys said hey these women are huge hallmark fans and they freaked they were like are y'all really filming a hallmark movie in there <laughs> that would be ashley. us that would be amber and, I. <laughs> and ashley said ashley was like yeah she wrote it and I, they were like you did oh and ashley was like if you're really quiet do you want to come inside and like oh see gosh. the movie and they lost their minds <laughs> And they came in on set and like, I mean, and they like got to see the monitors and they were like, oh, it's Michael Rady. Oh, it's Nikki Deloach. Like, yes. and, like it was amazing. And then, and Ashley gave them like this great little tour and we took pictures and they were just like the nicest, most grateful people. And it was one of those things where it's like, oh, right. You're doing all of this because Hallmark fans are a, some of the, like just the most awesome down to earth, like like joyful people on the planet. But on the flip side, I've been on other movie sets before and I've been on other, um, and I've been on other like television sets before and that would not have happened. Somebody would not have, at least in my experience, I can't speak to all Uh things, of course, but like for Ashley to just say, well, why don't you guys come inside? She was so quick to make their day. I was like, this is just an organization that has a really good relationship with its fan base. And <laughs> well, now I know I'm just going to sort of like linger around with, cause they do film some here in Utah and they're just going to kind of linger around and hopefully <laughs> you'd have to hope that like Ashley's around. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. She, I also don't want to put Ashley on the spot. She's going to be great, Tara. Yeah. Thanks for leaking that. Now everybody's going to be banging down our door on the sets. Please don't like, storm the Hallmark sets. We have a tour get to meet Michael Rady, please. Please don't, please don't storm the Hallmark sets. That was a once in a lifetime opportunity for those three women. Oh no. Uh, no that's, that's amazing. I love that story. Uh, that's great. I've unleashed uh, the crazy. I'm sorry. <laughs> <No. Bad. laughs> uh, so yeah. So yeah, Stephen uh Monroe directed this and he is a legend. Like he's, he's fantastic so many great Hallmark movies. Yes. So that must have been giving you a lot of confidence. It was, well, first of all, it was so like I was like shaking when I found out that he was gonna do it because you're like, oh. Oh, wait, wait, I've yeah. seen his movies. You know? yeah. um, again, oh, wow, this is real. Um, but then it was so cool and such a, I'm such a geek that you couldn't even be nervous once you got on set because A, he's such a nice human and is just talking to you like, like oh, hey, like he's known you forever. But right. B, he's such a brilliant technical director. Like just getting to sit there 
for days on end and watch how he's setting up shots, how he's like framing everything, the different ways that things are going, how he handles everyone on sets and kind of keeps this era, like there's just this era of like calm. It's very chill. It's not like I've been in, uh, I used to do a lot of like background work to pay my bills when I was in grad school for opera. Uh And so I've been on sets where it's not like that. It's very tense, even when you're waiting for long stretches and nothing's happening. Um, He was not like that. It was just very, it was a very cool and very like calm place to be. And he's just really brilliant in the way he, he sets up all these shots and watching how he executed. I mean, the, like, it's just it, like, I would watch, I would watch what was happening and then look at the monitors and be like, this is just so pretty. Like, it's just such a pretty <laughs> shot. Um, yeah. I don't know how he does it. It's pretty That's great. Really cool. Uh, yeah. I mean, he, and he just barely worked with Nikki Deloach. Uh, on reunited at christmas so yeah so it's true it was like there were definitely elements of a reunion but i'm ching uh uh, on set for sure and there was um brandeis who plays terry in the movie um i think was in another one that he did with her um i want to say it was the I'm going to get it wrong because I'm terrible at titles. Uh, I think it was the Christmas at Homestead or maybe it was, or maybe it wasn't a Christmas, but it was one that came out in the fall. Christmas at Homestead is one. I don't know if that's one he did or not, but. um... I I can't remember, Um, but I think it was one. I think it was actually another one with um, Michael Rady. Oh, yeah. Well, that would be Christmas at Homestead. I think she was. I think that's the one that they were all. She's in that. If I'm misquoting that, I'm very sorry to everyone. Um, (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, so it was like kind of a nice little reunion on set. And there were some really great new faces too. Um, some really, like everybody was just super talented. Yeah. It was really That's exciting. Great. So was it a challenge working with the dogs? Um, I, so I wasn't around as much when the dog had his scenes. He is so cute. Yeah. So cute. Um, honestly, it's a testament to uh, Steven's brilliance that even when the dog, you know, because a dog's going to be rambunctious sometimes, uh-huh. um, he was able to frame things and set up shots so that they could get the footage of the dog that they needed and then continue to film the scene from different angles so that when it's cut together, the dog is still there and a part of everything, but you're not asking the dog to be there for hours and hours and hours and hours. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it looks like so I think it might be the same dog that was in uh, in um, what's it called Love Story Winter Love Story with oh. Jim Lilly. Uh, he was named Bungie in that movie, and cute. and anyway, but regardless, super cute dog. I, I will say, like, it was funny. Uh, production kept making jokes. Like, there's one rule in the industry, like, that goes back, like, literally for hundreds of years in theater, they've been like, you don't want to walk, work with kids or kids or animals. And we yeah. put both in this movie. So that's <laughs> awesome. I will say, Michaela and, um, and Max, who play the two, uh, the, the son and the daughter, Sophia and Owen, were just, like, such pros and so phenomenal and so talented. It was crazy to watch two 10 year olds who were that brilliant and that grounded and just playful. They're just, I'm so proud of them. It was like, you're nervous when you write a part for a kid in a movie, it's nerve wracking because um, you hope that there are kids out there who can execute on that level, but they haven't had 20 years to go to school and (laughs) you know what I mean? And to study and to grow up and to create this huge um, like, tub of experiences from which they can draw but these two kids were just like a dream they were like 
it was like, oh, you sprung right out of my head. That's exactly what I pictured. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, Hallmark is amazing at casting kids. They yeah. have the cutest. I mean, it's, it's the best thing about One Calls the Heart, in my opinion, is the yeah. kids. They are so cute. So, <laughs> it's, it's adorable. Well, they really do. We are very, very excited for the movie. It sounds amazing. And, uh, and congratulations on getting your first script uh, done for Hallmark. Thank and you. We're excited for what will come. Uh, this is going to be great. And so before we go, we like to ask our guests what we call the team beat questions. Woo-woo. Silly questions that Amber found in, in an old issue of team beat. And <laughs> do you ever, did you ever have team beat? Going oh, up? totally. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. good. Yeah. All right. So, uh, let's get started. So the first question is what is the best ice cream flavor? Oh, uh, salted caramel. Mm, Anything yeah. salted caramel with chocolate is heaven. <laughs> that sounds good. Okay. What's your favorite color? Uh, purple or turquoise. Oh, purple is my favorite as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> what music are you listening to right now? Or oh man. Um, I'm like, um, like, because I'm a music nut, I listen to everything. Um, literally this morning though, the last thing that I listened to was, uh, Sarah Bareilles' new song fire. Oh, That's the last thing that I listened to. Best. I, I love her. Uh, yeah, I've actually, I got to see her, her live, uh, once when I, um, she was touring with Sugar Land. Oh, I, yeah. I like them fine, but I'm like, no, I want to go here. <laughs> yes, 100%. Yeah, yeah. 100%. It was amazing. Uh, I love her song, Gravity, is just. Oh, my gosh. That came out when I was in college, and it was like an anthem for yeah. broken hearts for like <laughs> the whole time. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, what is your go to date night food? Ooh. Um, you know, I think I have to say Italian, even though we love sushi, we love Thai food. We love, um, there's so many, I mean, look, we live in New York city. There's no shortage of like amazing food. Um, um but our honeymoon was to Italy and the restaurant that we used to go to for date nights when we were first started dating was an Italian place called Pasticci shout out on the Upper West Side. And, um, and so Italian's got a special place, I think, in our hearts. Yum. There's nothing like, especially in New York City. Oh, yeah. Food in New York City. It's, I mean, they had to make that stuff good enough to please the Dons and all that stuff. Yes. It had to be good. It's and, so good that when we went to Italy again um, yeah. for, for our honeymoon, we, we were like, oh, so same. Like, it's yeah. like, it wasn't yeah. like worlds different. We were like, wow. Also, like pizza is basically more New York than it is Italy. One hundred percent. Yeah, like our, our when I went to Italy, a tour guide was like, <laughs> was like, if you want pizza, go to Domino's." <laughs> <laughs> because like, it's, so it's more like flatbread there. It's not. Uh, it's, oh yeah. Yeah, it's kind of disappointing. <laughs> It's, I loved it, but I was, it was very quickly like, but this is a whole different animal. It is. Yeah. It's flatbread with like, like olive oil and mozzarella and basil and chunks of tomato, but it's not like sauce cheese. Right. Like it's not a slice. Not like a in New York, pie. it's like, yeah, exactly. I'm not like picking up my slice from Joe's and like dripping in grease and like folding it the right way. And like, I mean, it's a whole thing. That is but. living. 
right there when you just described. <laughs> yes. <laughs> pizza is to be pizza and ice cream are the two foods that like I like the whole spectrum. I like really bad, like yes. really cheap, trashy pizza. I still think it's delicious. And There's really no- like fancy in a brick oven, whatever. That's delicious too. I can have the whole spectrum. No such thing as bad pizza. Yeah. I have yet to have a bad pizza. Yeah. Like I'm not a big fan of this fruit stuff on pizza, but aside from that, yeah, they'll like pineapple. Oh, I can do, I can do a Hawaiian, but (laughs) other than that. Yeah. I don't like the Hawaiian, but other than that, I pretty much like anything. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so what is your go-to date night activity that you like to go out and do? Ooh, um, we, you know what, uh, we don't really have a go-to. We like to do a lot of different stuff. I mean, we do love to eat. Uh, we, we love to dance, but we haven't done it. I mean, look, right. We're not in our like twenties anymore. It's not as crazy these days. Um, but okay. So this is super nerdy, but the last date we went on was a double date with, uh, our best friends, Allison and Matt. We have two mats between us. Um, uh-huh. it's a whole thing. Everybody gets Matt. It's like Oprah, de- uh, de- de- <laughs> declared it. Um, but our last date was that we went to Marie's Crisis, which is a piano bar in the West Village where a guy, it's the, no phones are allowed and they play show tunes on the piano and the whole bar is required to sing. So we went to Marie's Crisis Gosh. and sang like Les Mis and Hairspray and oh, like all amazing. kinds of Chicago. And yeah, we did that for like an hour or two. Then we went and got this delicious uh italian dinner oh it was so good the pesto was just like amazing i'm salivating right now um and then we went and got a bar a drink at this like underground bar which was fun well i think we all have relationship goals now that you just described <laughs> that <laughs> that sounds amazing <laughs> so all right well so dogs or cats Ooh, i wrote a movie about dogs but i have a cat oh, um goodness. so i'm gonna say Ugh, it's really hard. Do I have to choose? I have to choose. That's the exercise. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say cats because otherwise my own cat may betray me. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I was surprised. <laughs> okay. Beaches or mountains? Beaches. Hands down. Me too. I love being at the beach. The ocean is my happy place. Me 100%. Too. Me too. All right. Uh, would you rather be in a fancy dress or sweats? Oh, um, a fancy dress. Yeah, yeah. That's the opera singer. There's a little opera singer in there. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, that's right. All right. <laughs> what is your favorite holiday? Oh, um, my favorite holiday. I should say Christmas, right? Because it's like yeah, all our very on brand. It would be very on brand for me to say Christmas. However, <laughs> I'm also writing Hallmark movies that are not Christmas. Um, I also really love uh i really love halloween um and i know that's silly but i like the i like the costumes i like that it sparks imagination i like that it gets people outside the box and dressing up like you know you get to embrace a different side of yourself for a day there's candy hello that's not a bad thing um (laughs) and And I grew up with like uh, in one of those neighborhoods where we had a legit haunted house. Shout out to the Naranjos. Um, They like really took it to the next level. So Halloween has a special place in my heart. I also love Halloween. I I plan my costumes like well in advance. That's part of the fun of it is, uh, and, uh, and I don't know, just coming up with something creative. Last year I was an angel. Ooh, nice. Yeah. 
his name. Very nice. Um, yeah. This year, my husband and I were Jon Snow and Daenerys, but I was Jon Snow and he was Daenerys. And Love it. it, I'm not going to lie to you. He was much prettier than me. Um, <laughs> it was pretty great. Yeah. That's so cool. That's one of the things that I so envy about couples is getting to do couple costumes. <laughs> oh, I can't, if my husband, if I ever get married and he doesn't want to do couple costumes, I will be so upset. Because yeah, no, he's got to, he's got to get on board. It's yeah. a condition for marriage. That's right. <laughs> it's in the vows. That's Sneak right. it in. Yes. Okay. Last question. What is your favorite Hallmark movie? You can pick your Ooh. own. Hallmark. I mean, I, I, I think, duh, it's my own, um, <laughs> but, um, because I love this movie and I loved everyone involved so much. Um, Ooh, it's really hard to pick a favorite. Um, I, I think, can I say my favorite most recent one? Yeah, Would that be absolutely. okay? Um, I really got surprisingly in my feels over once upon a Christmas miracle. Yeah. I, that one wrecked me like i feel like i should sue for emotional damages um like i just it was really emotional i thought it was really beautifully done i loved that it was a true story um and i thought that they just did a really beautiful job with it it was very sweet i enjoyed it as well uh it it uh it was definitely up there for uh christmas last year for sure yeah i and i also loved like i mean obviously you guys know my personal story now um it was nice to see that um, that like Christmas movies normally don't talk about how uh, at, like Christmas can be a hard time of year for some people. Yeah. If you've gone through any kind of loss or trauma or um, or even when you're just tiptoeing around those kinds of themes, it can go from being the most wonderful time of the year to the most stressful time of the year. And I thought that that movie did a really great job of balancing um, what's wonderful about Christmas and hopeful and optimistic and this like beautiful love story, but it didn't, at the same time, it didn't shy away from what's hard about it, but it also was, it arced to meaning, like what is important in life? What do we really value? Like, and, and tragedy doesn't have to just be this lodestone around your neck that drags you down to the bottom of the ocean. It's something that can um, transform your life in a really beautiful way. Like there's a whole center at UNC um, dedicated to post-traumatic growth uh, syndrome. So we always think about trauma as something that just derails your life. But there is evidence that for some people, they can take trauma and become better because of it. Um, it doesn't make us wish that trauma would happen to us, but it does show that there's like a there's a, a transformation, um, almost like an alchemy that can happen in those moments. And I thought that movie did a really good job of tapping into that idea. Yeah. Yeah. There were a couple that kind of had that theme last year. I when that one was really good. Also the Christmas everlasting, the hall of fame movie where she has Ooh. to deal with the death of her sister. I thought that in sort of the guilt that she feels uh, over some different things in their life. That one I thought was, was pretty good. And I also, uh, the road to Christmas had a little bit of that theme with her sort of disengaging from her family because she couldn't get over the grief of losing her husband and yeah. kind of fractured the family up into these pieces and and uh and I thought that that captured very well where most of like most of the dysfunction in Christmas movies not even just Hallmark movies but just Christmas movies is very over the top and that's fun yes. I enjoy that I enjoy National Lampoons or you know really totally. top, like silly movies but I liked in Road to Christmas the way that the dysfunction felt very easy to relate to. Yes. The, the idea that 
uh, that you loved each other, but you just had lost kind of the ability to communicate effectively and you just felt so different. And so uh, you kind of, I don't know, I just related to that uh, with, you know, some of my relationships where it's just, it's hard because you're really different, but you love each other, but you're trying to make it all work. And so that one, that one was my favorite of Christmas. Um, oh yeah. I thought it was so good. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, there were, it was a, it was a, some really nice emotion from last Christmas. I think they did a yeah. good job with that. So, and I think that I like, I think that there's going to be more of that this next yeah. Christmas season. Um, I think it's important to talk to, cause like, you're right everybody on some level experiences that with their families. Yeah. Um, no matter how much we love our families, families are, are complicated because there's multiple yes. people all trying to right. come together. And, uh, and so I think being able to speak to those themes in a way that doesn't, um, it, it's, I think there's a tendency in most art, not even Hollywood, not even movies. Like there's a tendency to either treat family issues as if they're just all darkness or they're all light. And there is some balance, but we tend to have like um, one of those overarching. And it's nice when you can uh, explore what's beautiful about the whole spectrum of colors of emotions in a family. I, I agree. I agree. Well, we are very excited for the movie and you pass the test of the team beat questions Woo woo! we will let you keep <laughs> writing homework movies <laughs> oh good good yeah, yeah, yeah. so this has been so much fun thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking about all your experiences and writing this movie and we are definitely very excited to watch it and uh, so hopefully we'll be able to have you on uh on again and we can because uh, this was just great and if oh. you have do you have social media at all that you want to share? Or anything I like do. That? Yeah. Um, you can find me at, I have a website that's just sarahmontana.com. Um, if you want to find me on Instagram, I'm Sarah E. Montana. And then I think Facebook is the same. Yeah. Um, there aren't too many Sarah Montanas on Facebook, so you can find me. Um, and Twitter, I'm going to be honest with you. I really am not about that tweet life. Okay. Um, yeah, my Facebook is facebook.com slash Sarah E. Montana. Great. Same for LinkedIn. Yeah. Okay, all that great. jazz. Well, I'll have that, all the information in the description so you guys can all uh, check that out and watch the TED talk as well. And uh, so thanks again. And uh, if, if you're all uh, listening, we would love to hear your comments and uh, you can put in the comment section if you're watching on listening on YouTube or uh, let us know on Twitter or any other social media, what you think of what we talked about. Uh, we would love to hear your thoughts and, uh, and make sure you're following the podcast at Hallmarkness Pod, all of our social media. And if you can put in your ratings and reviews on iTunes, we really appreciate that. And if you're listening on YouTube, give us a thumbs up and subscribe to our channel. That would be great. And so thanks again. You can follow me at you can follow me at Rachel's Reviews on iTunes and, and YouTube. Really appreciate that. And thanks again, Sarah. This was great. I really Thank you so much. This was so fun. <laughs> and uh, we'll definitely have to talk again soon. Sounds Bye. good. Bye. Bye.